Welcome to Palace Confidential, the weekly podcast all about the royal family where we assemble some of Britain's most fabulous experts and commentators and delve into the news coming out of the palaces to keep you royally clued up. I'm your host, Joe Elvin, editor of the Mail on Sunday's You magazine. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple and Google. And if you haven't already, why not sign up for the Daily Mail Plus briefing at mailplus.co.uk, where you can also watch Palace Confidential on video. Hello and welcome to Palace Confidential, our weekly royal show here on Mail Plus. We've got a selection of clued up commentators and correspondents to update you on everything the royals have been up to this week. With me here in the studio is seasoned royal expert Victoria Murphy and top royal biographer Ingrid Seward. Here's what we have coming up. Kids making cupcakes. Wow, it really is half term, isn't it? The young Cambridges get baking for the Royal British Legion. Is it a comeback? Well, Prince Andrew may be trying to edge his way back into public royal life. Plus, we explore Prince Charles's bizarre connection to Vlad the Impaler and his obsession with Romania. But first today, Harry's been causing a stir again with another video call from that cream-coloured sofa we all love in Santa Barbara. This time, he's been chatting to a man most of us will recognise from one of the most famous photographs to emerge from Britain's Black Lives Matter protests. His name is Patrick Hutchinson, and he was seen carrying a white protester who was against the anti-racism movement to safety. Let's take a look at Harry speaking to Patrick. How did you feel during the during the protest? Bearing in mind everything that happened before, how did it make you feel sitting at home watching all this stuff and then eventually being there in amongst it? It makes it just makes you wonder why people find it so hard to understand uh, what you know what we're all striving for, the equality side of things. It really that like, brings home how much work we have to do. Well, with me now by the magic of Skype is the Daily Mail's royal editor, Rebecca English. Rebecca, thank you for being with us, as always. Um, nowadays, you know, the palace aren't always the first to hear about the Sussexes' engagements. Do you think they were the last to hear about this? Well, the palace is absolutely the last to know about anything to do with the Sussexes nowadays. And I think that's the way Harry rather likes it, actually. He likes to keep them on his toes. And uh, what do you think their thoughts are on Harry making these calls? Well, there's definite concern behind palace walls about some of the Sussexes' recent interventions, which they have felt veered on the political. But I have to say there were no such concerns expressed to me about this one. Um, Patrick Hutchinson is a seriously impressive man. And um, I thought, I mean, obviously, aside from Harry's usual words on unconscious bias and walking in his wife's shoes, I thought it was a fascinating chat. Um, and I, for one, hung on every one of Patrick Hutchinson's words. I thought it was brilliant. Absolutely. He, he's definitely a national treasure. Um, we mm. mentioned the cream-coloured sofa, though, which I think a lot of people have been talking about. Do you think they should be getting out and about more? Uh, to be fair, I mean, they're slightly hamstrung by COVID, as a lot of people are. I mean, they have been out and about a little bit, but clearly it's nothing like what they thought they would be when they launched themselves on America. That said, I do think what's been happening to them shows how much they're missing the palace machinery. It's something Harry and Meghan often moaned about, this kind of unwieldy institution they felt hamstrung by. But that institution has got members of the royal family out and about meeting members of the public pretty much week in, week out, every day of this pandemic. So I think if they were being really honest, that is something Harry and Meghan are missing. Interesting. We'll have more from Rebecca a little later on in the show. Um, Ingrid, what do you think? Uh, should, should the Sussexes be getting more out and about, or did you, did you enjoy that? Well, I enjoyed that, um, but I do think they're missing getting out and about. But the thing is, 
L.A., nobody walks anywhere. Everyone gets in their car, and it's a very car-dominated society. And I, I think that it's, it's difficult for Harry and Meghan. I mean, they can't just walk down the street. Um, they have done a few things. Um, so I think, in, in a way, uh, it, it kind of... They're better on the sofa, as it were. And Harry's very intense. You can see how he talks. And I've seen him... Actually, I've seen Victoria interviewing him. And he's really intense. When he talks to you, he sort of looks right at you, and you can't get away from him, can you? That gaze. So I think, in a way, uh, television suits him. Mm, it's still quite powerful. It's, even it's quite it's powerful, fired. and he's, you can see the sort of uh, drive coming through. Um, so I th and also, I actually really liked what he was saying. And I mean, I'm a great Harry fan, but not recently. And, but I think this time, I mean, when he said he was, uh, you know, became more aware of racism because of, uh, because of obviously his relationship with Meghan, and I thought, well, that's absolutely right, because most of us aren't even aware of racism in certain societies. Yeah. So I think he had a very good point. Really important mm. point about, I think, the unconscious bias as well, and he's, he's bringing up some really interesting things. Um, Victoria, do you think um, him getting involved in this subject is political or not? I mean, I think in this particular instance, this conversation, I think, no. My big takeaway from the conversation, um, and I think Ingrid touched on it there, was, you know, it really emphasised, again, this personal journey that Harry has been on in the last few years. And I think he sees the world completely differently to how he did a few years ago and before he met Meghan. And I think he would probably say that he feels that he has had his eyes opened to a lot of things and to how racism and other forms of prejudice can manifest themselves in different ways. And I think he feels that now he has noticed that, things like unconscious bias, and he is now much more aware of those things. I think he really feels that he wants to use his platform to encourage a conversation about that. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, well, given that note, though, um, a recent YouGov poll shows the Sussex's popularity is actually at its lowest point to date, even though they're having all these uh, big conversations. What do you think about that? Surprising or not? No, I'm not surprised by that at all, actually. And I think, you know, unfortunately for the couple, there is this narrative that, you know, some people feel, maybe even many people feel, that they have turned their backs on the UK. And I think, really, the pandemic, in a sense, has, um, you know, done them a real disservice in that sense because I think they they would have been back if it weren't for coronavirus and they haven't been able to and I think we haven't really been able to see what their original plan was for straddling their time between the US and the UK and how they had originally perhaps thought that their relationships with their organisations and charities that they have maintained in the UK would work. So I think it's going to be a while before we get to really see what they had hoped their new life would look like. And Ingrid, do you think their popularity has dipped or do you think actually these polls don't really mean much? I think their popularity has dipped hugely. We find at Majesty magazine that we have two types of followers of Harry and Meghan. They're sort of more old-fashioned traditional followers of the royal family and then there's the Harry and Meghanites. And they can, Harry and Meghan can do no wrong to these people and they, they dislike the other members of the royal family. So it's, I don't think their following is completely traditional anymore. But the sort of real fans of the royal family are very disappointed in them. Yeah. And they think Harry's let us all down and they, they don't like Meghan because they blame her for it. And they know the Queen is saddened and, uh, you know, by them leaving the, the family and they just feel, 
you know, what, what's the what's the point? They just sit they sit in their million million dollar house. Everyone goes on about that, pontificating from the sofa. And what are they saying? I think a lot of people don't even understand what they're talking about because they're really into that LA speak. But they have sort of attracted a much younger audience of people. And you know, the topics that they're talking about are bringing in a different audience. You sound like you disagree. I think that's true, and I think I think I do agree with that. And I think it would be interesting to see polls like this broken down by age and whether they might tell a slightly different story. I mm. think that's quite possible. I think they haven't really recovered, Harry and Meghan, from what happened in January when they put out that statement saying that they wanted to have different roles and it became so clear so quickly that this hadn't been signed off by the rest of the royal family and that there was real disappointment there. And I think the way that they handled wanting to leave, um, I think a, a lot of people um, did see them in opposition to the family and to the Queen, who is so popular. And I think that that has given their reputations, you know, a big hit over here. Absolutely. Well, if Harry is getting political, uh, we can assume at least some of that has come from his father's influence. Yes, Prince Charles has also been known to tread the political tightrope, something that may make the royal courtiers flinch. But something many people may not know is that he has an unusually close relationship with Romania. Historian Dr Tessa Dunlop has been finding out more. There's one country in Europe that's devoted to our very own Prince Charles. And it's a case of mutual appreciation. Every year for over two decades, he sets off east to one of his favorite bolt holes. This is the story of Charles, Prince of Romania, or perhaps more aptly, Charles, Prince of Transylvania. His first trip was in 1998, and he now owns 10 properties in Transylvania and has established the Fundatia Prince of the Wales, a foundation trust that helps preserve rural communities and traditional skills. Given the Prince's love of horticulture, architecture and agro-tourism, it's not surprising that Transylvania, home to Europe's last wild bears and wolves, caught his imagination. When he visits in the spring, the hay meadows are a colourful hive of activity and the landscapes dotted with peasant villages and medieval fortifications. But the connection between Britain's future king and this nation on the eastern edge of the EU runs far deeper than the restorative powers of Romania's landscape. When over there, Prince Charles regularly talks up his direct bloodline with the country's most famous anti-hero. That's right, Vlad the Impaler, renowned for the bloodthirsty treatment of his enemies and thought to be the inspiration behind Bram Stoker's Dracula, is apparently the Prince of Wales's 16 times removed grandfather. But the most spectacular of all his Romanian connections was Romania's queen, Marie, a 20th century tour de force. It's striking that she was famous for refusing to wear rubber gloves when visiting the typhus-infected soldiers, just as Princess Diana made headlines when she publicly touched AIDS victims. Over the years as our future king, Charles has had to meet some pretty unsavoury people, including Romania's former dictator, Nicolae Ceausescu, when he came on a state visit to Buckingham Palace in 1978. But within 10 years of that rendezvous, Charles had turned his ire on Ceausescu, a prince known for his spidery missives. In 1989, he openly condemned the tyrant's systematic destruction of Romania's historic villages. Opposition, not without danger. Charles would write, I hope you receive this before some frightful undercover agent stabs me in the left buttock with a poisoned umbrella. The owner of several authentic Transylvanian properties, in the exquisite Saxon stronghold of Viscri, Romanian tourists on the trail of Charles are now so numerous 
locals have started to complain. But in general, the country loves him. In 2017, the president awarded him one of Romania's highest honors, Steaua Romaniei, the star of Romania. Back in Highgrove, Charles has apparently sown a Transylvanian hay meadow. And during lockdown on video link, he addressed Britain's large Romanian diaspora who were unable to return home for their Orthodox Easter. If you visit Romania, don't be surprised if you're asked about our British Charles and his Romanian habit. And you can watch Tessa's Who is Romania series on her Facebook page and on her YouTube channel. Uh, now, Ingrid, a fascinating story. I had no idea that, that Charles had this love affair with Romania and you've actually been to one of his houses there. Well, I went to Romania about 20 years ago and they were completing one of his houses and it was gorgeous. I mean, he, I would just remember these wonderful, be a wonderful beamed house. I mean, very rural in Vissery and the, the whole of the rural countryside is completely beautiful and very Prince Charles because they have all the old-fashioned ways of doing things that, that he loves so much. And he was very anxious about pre preserving the, these wild bears. And they had a big, at the time I was there, they had a big pro problem with, with logging. You know that Prince Charles is all about saving the forests. And so it was absolutely perfect for him. And the Romanians love him. They absolutely love him. They, they sort of see him as a saviour. Absolutely. Victoria, what do you make of it? Well, you know, it's not something that we discuss very often or hear about very often, Prince Charles's relationship with Romania. And in some ways you might think slightly random, but actually it does make a lot of sense when you think about his interests, the things that he is passionate about. I do recall, and Rebecca will hopefully remember this as well, um, one time when Prince Charles was very prominently featured in the mail, actually, um, in connection with Romania, um, he had judged a scything competition in Romania and spoken in an interview about uh, in how impressed he was with this traditional farming technique, uh, obviously something that is also done in Poldark. And so the, the mail mocked up a picture of Prince Charles uh, topless as a topless Poldark with <laughs> Prince Charles's head on. <laughs> and that, that I remember that very vividly and that was one of the first things that came to mind when I knew that we were going to be having this discussion but it doesn't make its way into the news agenda in uh, you know the UK very often his relationship with Romania but it is um, very very valuable to him it's clearly he feels very strongly about this. Well, you can't really get more niche than judging a scything competition in Romania can you? Um, oh yes you can. <laughs> can I remember you? something once <laughs> It'll be very quickly he judged a competition in, in closeters for the car with the longest eyelashes. Oh wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, does that That's beat more it? Niche. That is That's both, more niche, isn't it? That is slightly more niche, yes. Um, but, you know, the Romanians love Prince Charles, as we heard from Tessa there. I mean, should we be all learning something from them? Should we be revering him a bit more for everything that he's doing? I think he's, I think he's very unpraised, in a way. I think we probably... Uh, under un, under revere him Which, think, is there such a word as under revere probably <laughs> not no. i would say i think recently actually he has been given a lot of um credence for his views on the environment which he has long held um but you can see from the poll that we that we saw earlier that you know charles and camilla's popularity is still lagging quite significantly behind the queen and william and kate so there is obviously something there um as far as the public is concerned where it just isn't quite resonating in perhaps other ways as much I've learned a lot about
about Romania, but I don't know about you guys. Um, well, from Prince Charles to his brother now, with news this week that Prince Andrew is attempting a comeback. Yes, you heard that correctly. It's been almost a year since he was made to step back from public duties, but the so-called pariah prince is allegedly making moves to resume a public role within the firm. Well, Rebecca English is back with us now to tell us more. Uh, Rebecca, is this true? Is Andrew coming out of hiding to continue his work as before? I have to say, I'm slightly bemused by this story. Um, it's been reported that Andrew is plotting a comeback. But I have to say, I don't think anything has dramatically changed since he announced his plans to step back from public duties, uh, albeit temporarily. Um, there's a lot of stuff he still needs to resolve, although he's doing a bit of charity work in the background. Uh, and I'm sure he probably would like to resume his public duties and clear his name. But, you know, there's still the small matter of doing an interview with the FBI and, you know, convincing the public that uh, he is innocent of all claims that have been made against him. So I, I find this quite hard to equate, I have to say. Do you think Andrew thinks a year is enough time for us to sort of all forget about that disastrous Newsnight interview? I don't think anyone's going to forget that interview in a hurry, not least him. Um, the thing, Jess, you've got to remember is Andrew, in his wisdom, went into that interview believing that it would clear his name. And he actually came out of that interview, according to my sources who were in the thick of it, thinking that he had done a good job of doing that. So when the headlines started coming thick and fast, it was a huge shock to him. Um, and he didn't want to go willingly. He was told, that's it. This is too embarrassing. Enough is enough. So, um, I mean, who knows what he thinks, whether he regrets doing it or not. But uh, I think people acknowledge that it's something uh, the public aren't going to forget in a hurry. Uh, bringing it back to the studio, Victoria, we've, of course, got the investigation uh, into Ghislaine Maxwell and her connection to Jeffrey Epstein and Prince Andrew ongoing. So does this seem like the smartest time uh, to really remind us or for Prince Andrew to sort of emerge again? Just the fact that you have him being discussed in this context of this case, and his, someone who he has openly described many times as a friend, Ghislaine Maxwell, is in custody, facing trial, being charged in connection with Jeffrey Epstein's crimes. You know, it's, it's so damaging. And as Rebecca said, nothing has changed in terms of how the public sees that from when he gave that interview last year. And Ingrid, you have written uh, over a dozen books on the royal family. In the history of royal scandals, um, do you think this is one that Andrew can come back from? I think the problem is it's globally. I think perhaps the British people would be a little more forgiving uh, given time. And if Andrew is, is cleared and what he said was absolutely true, I think the British people would, um, you know, might, might forgive him. But I just don't think globally he can come back. I, th I think that's what people remember. They remember little snippets. They don't know the royal family like we do. And there's been lots of scandals in the past, and people just remember little bits of them. Have other royals come back from worse? I think so. I think, okay. I mean, Charles has come back from a pretty mighty scandal, and Fergie certainly always seems to bounce back from her, her, her various scandals. So people's memories are short. But I think this is so imprinted on our minds, certainly, certainly it, it'll take more than a year anyway. And Victoria, Andrew was reportedly quite reluctant to step back from his royal duties. Um, he didn't withdraw voluntarily as far as we know. So is this him possibly stamping his feet again? Well, you know, I mean, if he does think that he can resume royal duties, and I don't know, I've not spoken to him about it, obviously, um, then I just think he's reading the room, completely failing to read the room. And I think, you know, he... 
he went into that interview, as Rebecca said, and and he completely failed to understand and you know anyone whose advice he was listening to completely failed to understand what the public needed to hear from him in order for him to do what he wanted to do which was put this behind him and again if he wants to or thinks that he can resume public duties go around shaking hands with people on behalf of the queen right now then he is once again completely failing to understand the public mood on this well, Rebecca, let's move on to some of the royal family's other more worthy causes perhaps this week. Uh, what have the Cambridges been up to? Really sweet story involving the Cambridges. They, they're actually on half term at the moment. So William and Kate have decamped to Norfolk with their three children for uh, the half term week. But they haven't forgot the annual poppy campaign that's run by the Royal British Legion. So the children made some cupcakes there at Amna Hall with little edible poppy decorations on them that were taken to a local care home. And images of those cakes were put out on social media to remind people that even though you might be stuck in home at the moment, please support the poppy appeal. It, it's a very, very good cause. Um, you know, our armed forces have proved during the pandemic how important they are to us, you know, in times of peace as well as war. Um, and the Cambridges want to continue that support for the Royal British Legion. And Camilla was at Paddington this week with the medical detection dogs. Tell us about that. She was, and I was there with her. Camilla's been a real support. Uh, she's a patron of the medical detection dog. She's been a patron since 2014, and she's been hugely supportive of their efforts. At the moment, the charity are working with the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine to train dogs to use their incredible sense of smell to sniff out COVID. And they can do that in people who are even asymptomatic. And she was down there at Paddington Station with the health secretary, Matt Hancock, watching these incredible dogs being put through their paces. And we spoke about this organisation on the show not long ago when the dogs were still in training. So are we seeing some good results yet? Well, we certainly saw some good results down at Paddington Station this week. The dogs were the dogs undertook six tests, two Labradors, and each of them passed with flying colours, picking out the person who had the odour of uh, the, the coronavirus on them. Um, they have had a slight delay. Um, unfortunately, they haven't had enough positive samples to uh, donated to be able for the dogs to work with. But hopefully that will be rectified soon. And the CEO of Medical Detection Dogs and Camilla told me this week that they are hopeful that uh, if the tests keep on going the way they are, they could get the dogs in actions at airport, at trains, at sports venues as early as the new year. And when you think that these dogs can process 250 people an hour, that could be a game changer for us as a country moving forward and trying to get, the, get our, our world back to some sort of normality. So interesting, Rebecca. Thank you very much. Uh, cute, life-saving dogs and cupcakes. What better way to end the programme on today than that? Huge thanks to all of my guests today, Rebecca English, Ingrid Seward, Victoria Murphy and Dr Tessa Dunlop. Do join us next time for your weekly instalment of your Royal News and Insights right here on Palace Confidential. We'll be back next week and every week via Spotify, Apple and Google. Don't forget to sign up to your daily briefing from mailplus.co.uk. And of course, you can come back next week and join me, Joe Elvin, for more Palace Confidential. Confidential.